Uh, welcome to Creative Risk. Welcome. This is da- this is David Zasloff, and you are Bob Iger. Bob, how are you today? Very good. Disney rific, as we say in my morning wood, the morning neck of the woods. <laughs> oh boy, oh, it's been very hard. Caviar, Bob. I just got dizzy. Yes, <laughs> caviar. Uh, oh, perfect. Yes, I'm gonna this- take a piece of this ginger. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Feast. Feast. <laughs> mm, tastes like delicious children. I enjoy mumbling on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I do like to mumble on my children. Oh, I bet you do. I want to welcome our guests to Creative Risk, the yeah. podcast where you, David Zaslov, <laughs> and me, Bob Iger, talk about art, entrepreneurialism, and everything in between. And let's talk about why unions are just malarkey. Malarkey! Malarkey! Unions are, let me tell you something. Unions Humans. are anti-American. Honestly, anti-American. I mean, we're, we're based in capitalism. Unions are trying to take the money away They're from basically our They're basically Nazis. They're basically Nazis. We're basically in the Third Reich. Yeah, so that's where we are. It's just god-awful. Bob. Well, here's to you, David, and making billions more. <laughs> yes, yes. To, to our mega yachts. <laughs> oh. You choke and die. Oh. <laughs> that was very good. That was good. That was our auditions for David Zaslov and Bob Iger. Um, but really, wel- welcome, actually, wel- welcome us peons, us peasants, us nothings, us yes. little minions, <laughs> us disposable cogs in a exactly, wheel. Exactly, exactly. Us little actries and actors. Fodder, cattle. Exactly. That's, that's us. As we're, you could yeah. imagine, on today's episode of Creative Risk, where we talk about art, entrepreneurialism, and everything in between, we're obviously going to be talking about the strike. The strike. The strike. The, what's that? The strikes. <laughs> the strikes. And we talk about them strikes. No. That's that. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep that. Anyway, so. <laughs> but yes, the strikes. Also, did you notice when I was doing my, my Bob? That's my Bob. Yeah, that's great. When I was doing my Bob a few minutes ago, yeah, I got uh, very lightheaded and dizzy. <laughs> did you Did you see that? Yeah, that's that's the most exercise you've got. It. <laughs> <laughs> my jowls. Are yeah, shaking. yeah. No, Ooh, I, my jowls are really going there. <laughs> I think it's because um, um, that voice was using my full breath. <laughs> and and what's unfortunate until we get a fair deal, we will not be using our full breath for anything. For any, I'm going on a breath strike. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to hold my breath until <laughs> the yeah. strike's over, which which I would be dead <laughs> in a matter of seconds because this has been how many fucking days have these strikes? I, been like around? 180. No, 100. And <clears throat> some, some caviars in my throat. Caviars. <laughs> I like that your 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 um, grocery store sushi is caviar. Yeah, exactly. Well, what what can I say? Um, yeah, it's like day a hundred and I don't know. Well, well, well. Just to be clear, they're different. So the WGA strike, as you just said, I think you said the writers go like one hundred and thirty eight or something. And the actors, SAG- I think, are like our uh, SAGs, like. I think it's like 60 or something. As of today. As of Who today. Knows? Who knows? Who knows where we'll be when and, we release And we're going to, and well, so today's episode, we're going to really kind of give our top level hot takes. Oh, I guess. <laughs> just throw up. <laughs> just burp. Disgusting. <laughs> burp. 
Caviar. Yeah, caviar. Yeah, we're going to give you. It's been really hard for us actors. <laughs> we're eating sushi and burping. Okay, okay, but before we get to the strike, which is, which is, we got to do our, 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 our favorite, popcorn, okay. popcorn. Comfort food performances. Oh, okay. <laughs> popcorn. Never mind. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. I'll go first. Should you go first or I'll go first? We'll do. You go first. Comfort food performances. I was about to make such a bad joke. I, can't I can already it. tell. This is, this no, no, is I really good. can't this, make this that is, joke. It's not good. good. Um, I won't make it. Um, okay, so my... Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that joke offline. Okay. Um, so my... Uh, my comfort food performance, I didn't even think about this. I would have to say, you know, John Travolta. What's up with me and Scientologists? I like, I don't know. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, you, then I would have. You, would be, I'm, I'm you don't think follower. you'd be a Scientologist? I'm a big sheep. You would be a Scientologist. I would. You'd come in here one day and be like, Man, listen, I got the whole thing. You know? <laughs> I know, I'm super gullible. <laughs> you manipulate me like, all the time. I gave him, like, I literally went to my savings. I gave him 2500 <laughs> I've already moved, like, two tiers. Yeah, exactly. I probably I'm would. <laughs> That's, you're so, it's so right. Um, but you know what? Yeah. John Travolta, Tom Cruise, listen, which last one. Listen, These are some successful it. motherfuckers. John Travolta. <laughs> okay. You know... Okay, Face Off. I'll just say it. You know, everybody's like, this guy's trash. Everything's... Have you ever seen Face Off? No. I, I have not. That's something you and Michael would like. Face Off, it's a it's a 90s movie by John Woo, and it's about Nick Cage is in it. So it's Nick Cage and John Travolta. Nick Cage is a terrorist. Nick Cage makes everybody better. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Nick Cage is a terrorist who, jo- who John Travolta is an FBI agent. He's hunting him. And a long story short, they swap. They capture Nick Cage, but then they need to find out where this bomb is, so they swap faces. So they capture Nick Cage and they take his face off and they put it on John Travolta's body and they take Nick Cage. This is one of the biggest action movies ever made. It's an incredible movie. Okay. <laughs> and you're saying John Travolta's performance specifically Excellent. in that and it, not listen. Hairspray the musical? Yeah, exactly. Did you even see that? No. Of course. No, I'm not a homosexual. Homosexual? I'm not, a, I'm not a homosexual. Homosexual. But I also don't like movie musicals. I really, I really don't. Michael wanted to watch Theater Camp the other day, you know, the one with Ben Platt and Noah Galvin. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh. I, I, I know it's not even a movie musical. I just don't, I don't, I don't, why are they singing on screen? I, I can buy singing on stage. I can't buy singing on screen. Anyway, yeah. face off, you, you love <laughs> I can buy Rosa. singing on stage. Well, but when it's on a screen, it's no no more. I can't, I, I really can't get into it. Yeah, I mean, there. I haven't seen a really, I've never really seen a one that's like a great Chicago. One. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's good. Chicago's good. Anyway, great. John Travolta, Nick Cage, face off. Listen, for our one straight member watching this, one straight male person watching this. Why only one? Because who is who's who's watching this shit? <laughs> what what straight men watch Creative Risk is bullshit. <laughs> They're watching Joe Rogan. Yeah. See, Mike is watching Joe Rogan. We just we just clear. have a sponsorship for like testosterone. It's like, and by the way, anyway, who cares? It, this this cannot become an alt right podcast. I want to be really clear about that. This cannot become an alt right. That podcast. would be niche. That would be that fucking would be niche. Okay, here's my performance. Okay, yeah, let's hear. I, I know. All, I, I it's really fresh because I watched it last night, and you know I have a bad memory, so it's lucky that I remember oh, the performance. It's just anything you saw recently. So exactly. I was watching CNN this morning, and no. um... <laughs> I watched Worth last night, which Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci, it's actually it's actually a good good cast, and um, both of them are great. But 
Wait, you've never heard of this movie? No. I hadn't either. So basically, it's about, uh, based on a true story, about- I'm thinking of Precious, <laughs> which is not that. It was a remake, Ke- and Michael Keaton <laughs> plays- No, so so Michael Keaton plays, I forget his name, but he plays a, a lawyer who who was pretty high up and like, you know, was- in, strong ends with the government and was basically tapped and he went for the gig this guy in real life and who Michael Keaton played to basically decide how much money people would receive for the lives lost in 9-11 so he was the guy essentially oh, wow. naming the value of life and that's why it was <clears throat> tough job but anyway the real in terms it's of like one dollar <laughs> I forget I, I, I you know I really I really can't even remember what what they settled on, but 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 Michael Keaton is so good in it, yeah. and so is Stanley Tucci, by the way, who's always great. Who did he play? Uh, he played Osama bin Laden. He played the guy. It was so it was <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is this is gonna be a we're gonna get canceled. Yeah, we are. Episode two. What is this episode? Josh is kicking me underneath the screens. <laughs> um, no, no, he played like the guy who was against because it was a fund. It was like the Whatever the nine eleven fund, and he was he he ran something called Fix the Fund, which was, and all the people were looking for, by the way, wasn't a numerical value. They were just looking to be seen and understood, right. and you know. And so Michael Keaton, by the way, in the movie does that. But it was such a hard job, obviously, and Michael Keaton's performance was so restrained and nuanced and interesting. And <clears throat> I also had never heard of the movie, and so I was just like really great to see these two great actors doing their great things. In that it. sounds so nice. Michael Keaton. That's I'll my watch guy. it. And that's so Stanley Tucci was like the evil lawyer who didn't want to give the nine eleven no, victims. No, actually, any money. Not, he played like this. He had lost his wife in in, oh. in in the attacks, and um, he played some guy, this intellectual who basically was leading the revolt against what the US government was doing. It was called Fix the Fund. And so he and he was very calm. Whenever he'd see Michael Keaton, he'd be like, he'd be like, I'm the person who's trying to bring down your efforts. Like he was pretty interesting. Because again It wasn't personal. It just it wasn't personal. It wasn't it was personal. Pers- well it was kind of personal. Well what they were looking for, and this was Michael Keaton's journey in the movie, was a a his coming to simply empathize with the victims as opposed to try to put numerical mm. value on them and he started talking to them and listening and then Stanley Tucci's character gives him his full support and then everyone comes on and he gets all the signatures and the da 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 Speaking of, you know, <clears throat> uh, valuing human life, let's talk about the strike. Let's do it. But seriously, Stand that's up. a great segment. No, that is a great well, I'm just so me, good. I know. Yeah. That was me. Oh, no, that was I'm me. the one who did it. Honey, I'm the one. Uh, honey. I'm the one. You're, like, you're, like, honey. you're like, I'm so good at this. Uh, bitch, I made the transition. <laughs> but I'm the one who gave the prompt for the transition. <laughs> you, you, you probably did plan it out like that. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. What? Uh, so well, okay, well, be, let, me, let, me just, let me just see up two things because I want to give before you jump in here. One more anti-union. So, no, I'm just joking. No, but I, I won't say who, but but um, I told you my friend uh, uh, texted me the other day and was like, Mike's emails, and this is going to be a segue into how we're going to structure this episode, were very anti-union, which <clears throat> isn't interesting to me. because So we're both union members. But but the reason I, I was going to give a preamble here that we're going to obviously talk some state of affairs, so to speak, in terms of the strike, and we're also going to talk about what you can be doing during the strike. <clears throat> and no, it's not, you know, 
meditate and 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 read your favorite Chekhov. You know what I mean? That's not that's not it. Um, um, but if you're go, doing that, you're an idiot. You, you stupid idiot. <laughs> who who reads Chekhov? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what we Russian read. Russian spy. You know what they're doing in Ukraine right now? You're a communist. Yeah. Um, anyway. uh, no, no, but 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 Mike is Mike is sort of Mike has been sort of leading our picket line post, which has been. Our, <clears throat> you're gonna make a joke about how you stop sending it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. But for a while, Mike had been was rally yeah, gathering the the roundup of of news regarding the strike. So he's gonna sort of lead this first half about sort of what the state of affairs is before we get to what you can be doing. And I want to say something about that because this is gonna be one of the very first things we talk about. Which somebody's saying that my, you know, my emails were kind of anti-union, which I do not know where they. I'm all for the unions. This is a good strike. We yeah. need to be doing this. I'll tell but you why. I because think well, because it's such a vitriolic. This is there's a lot of anger. Fear, like I said, we're both members of the union. There's a lot of anger, fear, hatred in this strike. There's a lot of emotional weight in this strike. And so if you're literally not just completely, you know, at times I was like, oh. These, this seems, you know, the WGA, it's, it's, it balls in their court, it seems. It's kind of, all of a sudden, you're anti, if you don't, if you don't toe the party line and, and, and are out for blood every five seconds, it's like you're anti union, which I think is fucking ridiculous. And I want to say this if you look at even the difference happening with the auto workers right now, you go to the picket lines, you talk to the people from what I've seen the interviews, upset, you know, they can't afford to live. There's not a hatred. There's not an, a complete rage that's overpowering. It's emotional appeal, sentimental appeal. But this strike is very on edge for both. Now, trust me, we're going to be talking majority, major, majority about what the studios have been doing wrong. But just because you don't fucking like, you know, every five seconds you're singing the praises of the, the negotiating committees, which I think are making some mistakes... I mean, you're anti-union. That's insane. I pay my fucking dues. I could say whatever I want about the SAG well, after uh, negotiating community. I pay my fucking dues. I'll say whatever I want. Well, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone. Motherfucker! Was, I don't think anyone was saying you shouldn't. Yeah. I, I think. I think. It, I don't. Yeah. I. I think it's a. It's good. I, what I was just gonna say was I also think that it, that a lot of our work promotes a lot of self responsibility, and I think sometimes. Um, that can also potentially be misinterpreted as though it's anti-union, for example, which well, it's not. There's a fucked up binary where it's like, <clears throat> if you say that, if you believe in radical ownership, that must mean that we must be saying there's nothing wrong with the business. We all know that there's a lot that's fucked up and wrong about this business right now. But that doesn't mean that radical ownership is not important over your results. Right. You know, yes, I'm not a complete idiot. I understand that there are things outside of our control, but it, what's useful is to take on radical ownership. So I just have to say that, whatever, I get canceled, never work again. Um, so <laughs> um, we're going to talk my majority about the WGA because really it's, really, SAG is not probably going to make a deal until the WGA makes a deal. So, because they've been in strike way longer. So just a couple of top level things just to talk about. Yep. As I said, it's been vitriolic. You know, and this is a sign of the growing mistrust. And this is talked a lot about, like, you know, in various outlets and, you know, journalists are talking about just like there's no trust in Hollywood anymore. No trust. You know, there's there's something. It's very strange. Like, you know, you go online, you've seen social media. It's like people are rabid 
And but let's talk about what the studios and the execs are doing wrong. Remember this Iger? Remember when Iger did that thing in Sun Valley? I mean, what a fucking insane guy. I mean, you know, he said it's very disturbing to me. We talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing, right? And like these people are basically ruining the business. This is not the time for them to strike. I mean, for Bob Iger to come out and say that in Sun Valley, and we're going to talk about kind of a lack of leadership throughout all of this, but vitriolic. And there was that deadline article, too, that came out where they were like, basically an exec said, our strategy is to starve them out, yeah, to make them lose their houses. <clears throat> I mean, just in wild, wild. <clears throat> well, look, know. I do just have to say, you know, <laughs> as you know, this is a, this is a really great example. You know, I... I, I <laughs> Uh, that underlining our capitalistic hellscape. And look at I'm a capitalist. You're a capitalist. Is the is the culture we live in? There are lots of things I hate about it. It's not the fight I'm choosing to fight in this lifetime per se. Even though I would argue that, as I've said to you, I do believe artists' strategy is sort of playing capitalism in its own game in support of artists. But that's a conversation for another time. I do think this is a great example where. For Bob Iger's position, I don't even think he thinks he's saying anything wrong, of course. He wouldn't say it because he's going, what do you mean? This is the game. And in my opinion, this is that's this is part of what's sort of It's like, about bottom lines. Exactly. While these look while, you know, he's at but but just the lack of you know, it's important to say now, just the lack of I mean, these executives are so such mm. poor business savvy during this time. You know, where is the P? I mean, it's a PR nightmare for them. You're right. going to be in Sun Valley at a billionaire retreat talking about this. Right. It's just how do you think in this more and more progressive climate we're in that you can get away with sanction? I mean, it's fucking insane. And, you know, but, but, and so obviously, uncharacter, maybe not uncharacter, but the fact that they're vocalizing their inner thoughts saying we're going to starve them out, we're going to do all this crazy, you know, and, and I have noticed on the other side, look, you know, whether it's justified or not, you know, Drew Barrymore getting basically fucking cyber bullied into now, look, I have no tears shed there. It's like, you know, get your shit together. Well, okay, but I just want to, like, but let's talk about this because Bill Maher did it and, you know, Bill Maher doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, you know, cyber bully me. He, that, you know, yeah. he, that's, he doesn't care. Drew had that teary apology that she took down. But, but, but I want to talk about why they do that for a second and, and why those people are considered scabs. So, so for Drew Barrymore, what, what do you, because I am fascinated. Why would Drew Barrymore go, I'm going to go back into production? Her, her reasoning, which I think it's honestly tone deaf. I don't think she was thinking. But her alleged reason, well, first off, they're under contractual obligation. They're not covered under SAC. They're not so so technically technically there is a contractual obligation you for them to do those the, shows. The hosts. Yes. Uh-huh. But it's like unspoken where it's like they're not gonna fucking get rid of Drew Barrymore. Well, not only that, if if the writers are on strike though, then how I it's all impro- all ad libbed. I understand, but but that's well, that's where that, it gets tricky. For what also, for example, writing? that's not what she was contracted for. So while I hear you, she she was contracted to work with writers to do her show. Oh, I don't think it was. I, I have no love lost there. I don't think she made a right move. But her argument was, you know, I think, number one, let's be real. It's probably money. Probably money. And there's a great point somebody made where it's like, well, these stars have other options. She can go do a fucking Neutrogena commercial. She doesn't have to do her show again. You know what I mean? That's what they have. She was saying it was to give, it was for IATSE, it was for jobs, for the other people who work on the show. It was, it was, she wanted to have work for them. You know, I don't, I think that's partially true in, in her like, you know, justification of it. But 
regardless of right, wrong, whatever. Okay, I have an, I have an ignorant question. <clears throat> All these, there are lots of projects that have been approved to continue right. on. Why couldn't they go that route? Because it's because it because they're produced through an AMP. Uh huh. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got so it, got it. and that's the thing I want to talk about with the with sort of the mistrust and the paranoia. You know, I went to SAG. You know, Duncan Crabtree Ireland did that whole thing on the interim agreement, and the interim agreement that SAG negotiation committee said a thousand times, this is nothing. This hurts the AMPTP. They have thought they should, it hurts, and yet you were on the call, and hundreds of actors are there going like, isn't this going to, people freaking out about this interim agreement. People are just like, you know, and I'm not saying it's bad, good, whatever, but it's a different energy in the air this time. People are militant, because look, there's a lot to lose. But there's like this complete mistrust. It's like, oh, SAG's trying to fuck us over with this interim agreement. Doesn't that fuck everything up? And really, it's it's a negotiating tactic to put pressure on the AMPTP, which I, I actually think is a kind of a smart idea. They say, look, if these smaller companies can do it, you can do it, right? So it has nothing to do, but people are so mistrustful, you know, distrustful. earned or not, earned or not, mistrustful about- Distrustful. What am I saying? Mistrustful. That's what I said. Distrustful. Oh, distrustful is the word? Who cares? So, um, <laughs> but, you know- Or is it mistrustful? Where, anyway, is, this, where is this- ener- there, There's just this completely- Intense. I think it's exacerbated by social media when the WGA went on strike. You oh, know, no, I almost, think you're right. I am right. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. there wasn't this social media wasn't what it is right now. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't fucking Instagram. And, you know, I just have to say one thing, you know, about the WGA's memos, because the WGA has been sending out a lot of memos. You know, they're 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 intense. They're emotional. They're like, don't trust these people. Don't trust your agents. We can talk about the agents in a little bit, but don't trust your agents. Your agents are trying to turn you against your, the negotiating committee. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying it's sad that in Hollywood right now, nobody's trusting anybody. Nobody's trusting their bosses. Nobody's trusting the showrunners. Nobody's trusting their agents. Nobody's trusting the negotiator. It's just, there's just this aura. There's this energy of anger dread, mistrust, everybody's out to fuck us right and now. Let, and let's go back for a macro um, vantage point for a second about why that is. This is this is nothing new in this regard. At, at, there's a lot that's at play in both of these strikes, but the, it, we are at an inflection point because the industry is changing primarily because of what's happening with tech. The, it's it's because it's, yes AI, it's all tech. but it's also yeah, just streamers. Exactly, there's this has changed the landscape. And by the way, this is actually going to sag for a second. Exactly, Fran Drescher's. You know, she gave that great speech, and it really was a great speech. And partially why it was great was because she really clearly spoke to the fact that this is the number one thing. We're not in the same industry we were a couple decades ago. So, so honestly, all parties involved, both sides need to be open because I I understand wanting to, to protect our likeness. I understand wanting to, you know, that makes complete sense. However, as there should at least be a willingness to hear you know, the other side to go, here's what AI could do for us. And I'm not saying that people aren't doing that, by the way, but I am just saying that the industry has changed. Therefore, we all need to take a step back and go, wait, 
we almost starting starting from a new. In Everybody's regard. in pan. The difference is executives alike because their businesses are failing right now. And look, Fran Drescher's speech, great. Compare that to the what's it, Sean Fain, the, the United Auto Workers mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Not saying one's good or bad, but the emotion, the anger. Not saying that's bad, but there's something else in the air. This is an inflection point where people's emotions are very You're strong. The right, actors, now. the actors, and, writers. and the writers. It, it's well, just—it's a more of an emotional. It's more emotional. It feels, and, yeah. and I'm not saying for right for wrong. I'm just saying that when the emotions are this high, and it and and I think that's primarily the studio's fault. But when emotions are high, you can't negotiate from a place of good faith. And that's why we're 140 days. That's partially why we're in 140 days into this because neither side can negotiate with good faith right now. You know, and one thing I wanted to say, two things I wanted to touch on, you know, dirty tactics. You know, one of the things that sort of put us August 22nd, almost a month ago now, this thing almost seemed like it was coming to an end. And there was a lot of hope in the air. Remember, there was like those couple of weeks. By the way, they are talking tomorrow yeah, at the Wednesday, time. Yeah. <clears throat> so by the time this comes out, it was yesterday. So who knows? Maybe it'll all be over. But, you know, the, that I don't think so. But the there was that moment, that string of like two weeks where they met like four times. Yeah. What, what stopped talks for almost a month it was leaks, right? Well, it was the AMPTP had a counter proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they released it to the press uh-huh. and said, this is what we put on the table. Now, I don't know labor law, but apparently that is a violation to do that. Because what were they trying to do in earnest? They were saying, oh, we were just we were just letting our position be known. And we just wanted to have everything on the table. What they were really trying to do was because the deal. Drum up support. Drum up support from, from members, from WGA members to, to lean on the negotiating committee sure. and say, hey. The court of know, public opinion is a very real thing. Look, it's why it's why you know courts around the world use it. It's why Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, you know, that was sure. the, the court of public opinion. Anyway, yes. No, no, on. and so and also but but also amongst members because if I'm a writer and they release a proposal and I'm like that seems reasonable, I lean on my negotiating committee and I say make that deal. Right. Make that deal. Right? And then that basically the the WGA was furious, released a memo that was like, they're trying to fuck, blah, 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 blah. You know, a very heated memo to their membership. Right. And then talk stopped stopped for four weeks. You know, so that was one of the main reasons why we're here right now is because the MPTP made that choice that uh, that probably was a way to sort of put pressure. It definitely was. I don't see, you know, I don't think they were doing out of the goodness of their heart. It was a business move, a political move that backfired in their face. So that's where we are right now. You know, and, and I just want to say this to kind of go towards the end of this is, and we're going to talk about, but let's talk about why I don't think leadership has been great on either side, particularly in the studios, but let's talk about the WGA first. You know, and I want to read this direct quote from one of our favorite sources, Richard Rushfield at The Ankler. You know, he says, for the last four months, what we've heard from the WGA largely has been about the process, the procedure, the tactics of a strike, and accusing the studio of violating the norms of all of those. It's really time to move past arguments about processes starting now. For instance, if they want the industry to stand behind them to the tune of many giving up a year of pay, they need to be a lot more open and forthcoming about what this strike is about. If the holdup now is about data transparency, let's hear about that. Let's discuss it. Let the community see clearly who is right and who is wrong. Talking and arguing 
uh, about that as a serious discussion for a serious moment. But since this thing has started, we've barely heard two words about the issues, which is very true, beyond both sides showing their shopping list of positions on a few dozen issues. So basically what he's saying, which has been true, and this has been the WJ tactic from day one, they're not talking, they're not talking much to the press or even to their members about where exactly negotiations stand at any given moment and what the big sticking points are. That's been a tactic of theirs. That's been a tactic of theirs. But we're a hundred and whatever days in right now. And they're still, rightfully or wrongfully, spending most of the time saying the studios are trying to fuck us. The studios are trying to pull dirty tricks. They're violating these. It's their turn. We sent a counter proposal. It's their turn two weeks later. The ball's still in their court. Okay, it's well, let, me ask, let, me, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Because if I'm negotiating anything, me, I'm gonna keep it insular, tight. I don't want. I don't want it because then. So so I imagine it is a tactic. What is an example of what the WGA could share? Exactly what the sticking points are right now. Why? What are them? It's probably data transparency. I don't even think it's probably. It's probably data transparency in the mini rooms. Those are probably the two big sticking points right now. Let's get exactly why, because for the first two months, sure, be insular, but people are losing their houses. You know, we need to understand exactly what is being disagreed upon and what we are still fighting for exactly. Because, because look, they've, they've, agree, they've, they've agreed on a few things at this point. It's probably a couple of sticking points. Where do we stand on those issues? You know, and when people are losing their houses, that's just a, and they, you know, it's just a different thing. I agree with you overall, but we're a hundred whatever days into this. I just think it's, I just think there's got to be a little bit more openness. And I think it would look good on them to stop because rightfully or wrongfully, probably rightfully, they're doing a lot of finger pointing saying they're doing dirty tactics. We sent a counter proposal. They didn't get it to us, blah, blah, blah. They did it. It's like, listen, even if you're righteously angry, be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Get them to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, do what your job is. You're a negotiating committee. You're not the anger. You know, you're not the anger police. Get the negotiations going here. You know, be the bigger person. <laughs> Try and show up to the. I don't know, whatever. It is. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, g- get them to the table. Get them to the fucking table. And I don't care. Meet with them every day if you have to. You know, stop this sort of vitriolic finger pointing. Well what, I, well, what I really hear you saying, and I think it's, and I think it's, um, I think it's a good point. You know, um, is is both sides have a responsibility to see this thing th- thing through to the end. That's going to be um, uh, a positive outcome for AMPTP, and of course. WGA. And the fact that it's and 100 and almost 150 days and we're still here is a, is a right. failure right. of the on negotiating committees. On both sides. But let's talk about really where, I mean, the executives of these studios. Right. Talk about poor leadership. Right. I mean, really, it is it is absolutely insane. Zaslov and Iger are doppelgangers. When they want to get things done, they can get things done. They go above people's heads all the time. They push deals. You know, Zaslav pushed through the Discovery, Warner Media, and he can't make this work? Come on. Iger, same thing. And what's crazy about Iger and what he's doing is he has ruined his legacy. He's ruining his legacy. I know he came back to save He came the back day. and he was very talent-friendly. Yep, yep. Very, and he is just single-handedly ruining yep. 
his legacy. And let's speak about this. They are the ones who undermined the whole business model. We are in this position because of them right. and their decisions. Right. They wanted to, they sought, they made a mistake. They put their all their eggs in the streaming basket and they fucked up. And it's not a viable business because you need 80, you need 800 million subscribers. Right. Well, now you're talking to the business model as a whole being unsustainable. Unsustainable. And, and they, yeah. they killed their fucking linear cable channels. They killed their linear cable channels to rush towards this. This is their fault. Mm-hmm. They fucked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They fucked up. They made a bad business decision. And now they're trying to make it work. And this is the point of the strikes off the backs of all of us exactly. who are actively losing money. And they're money. going back and forth between, you know, Netflix's stock is up again because Netflix has always been steadfast, at least in what it does. Most of these executives are big back flat. Oh, no, we want the linear channels. Oh, even though we they're 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 screwing up left or right. So we're there. And, and the fact that you're fucking up and you're not taking care of your people. I mean, take a fucking pay cut. How hard is it? Well, as a good faith measure, well, I don't talk c- about talk about PR and press. If if Bob Iger so if, stupid, if Bob Iger said, "You know what? I just want to say I'm announcing today that I'm taking a five million dollar pay cut." First of all, five million dollars for Bob Iger is five hundred dollars for us. So, I, just to say, a five million. If he were to say, "I'm going to take X, Y, or Z pay cut." You know, that that's it's the, actually, you know, I'm such a genius, which is why I was talking about that movie with Michael Keaton, because it's the same question. How do you put the value of people's lives? How do you put that number or their creative work? And I just want to say, you know, this this is I was debating saying this because I don't I don't want to get blowback for this, but it, I'm gonna, I am going to say it because you made a comment about the emotionality of this of these strikes. And it relates to this. I do, and creative work and putting a numerical value on that. I do think that artists in particular, we, you know, we know how hard this is. We know how, and I think oftentimes look for, for reasons as to why the needle hasn't moved more. And I'm saying this because this, the heat that we're feeling both from the writers and actors, again, valid. But I think being intensified by by frustration of not understanding how to even fend for themselves, let alone create their pathways. Like these these people are, I the Igers are sitting on infrastructures. We're just floating amoebas, and I think that's exactly. incredibly frustrating. And I think that's a big part of the emotion that's also fueling a lot of the frustration that almost has some some of which has nothing to do. With what they're dealing with, does no, this make I, sense? Well, no, you, I'm not being it's anti-union. Un, it's unsustainable. And look, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, there's a lot yeah. we can be doing right, right now. That's right. But despite of whether or not something's shooting or not, That's and right. and you know, it, we have to find. Look, right, we have to find our boogeymen. But let me say this about the execs: where they're where they're way off, obviously. Because look, I'm not when people say, "What do these people do?" They but listen. There's a reason why there's not many executives in the world. Because not a lot of people, it has nothing to do, it has to do with demand. Not a lot of people can do an executive's job. I am not going to sit here and pretend that Bob Iger doesn't deserve a lot of fucking money or David Zaslov doesn't deserve a lot of fucking money. However, what I will say is when your businesses are bleeding out, 
you should be the one who gets a fucking pay cut. Like, right. It's just well, Mike, take listen, ownership. When, 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 when art is strategy, when we have our slow months, which we have you know, had, had plenty of times where we're like, okay. We don't get paid. Yeah, you know, There have been plenty of months where we're like, okay, we're not getting paid because we have to pay our vendors or our whatever the hell it is. And that's the way it goes. And, and so they, yeah. they just look bad. It's just like they look bad. They look bad as their companies are bleeding out. Yep. That they are getting bigger pay packages. Take a five percent. Take a ten percent cut. How hard? Even if you don't mean it, just it's smart business. I agree. And, and so these these executive, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I think it's but but this is what I mean is I think people are thinking with their fucking emotions and they're not thinking with just good business sense. I don't know what's going on on both sides. On both sides. No, I mean look. Obviously, yeah. look. This is. We are, as we say all this, I think that it's it's a shame that you can't just have an open and frank discussion about everything, that we have to keep saying we're pro-union. Obviously, we're pro-union. We are union members. But, you know, obviously this is mainly the executive. This is mainly their problem that they set up. They, 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 they fucked, they, and even if, look, even if some of the demands might be a little weird, you know, or a little... I don't necessarily agree with all of the demands. Let me say that. I don't necessarily agree with all of them. But at a certain point, it's not about it's about good business. Even if you don't agree with some of the demands, if it puts a 1% dent in your fucking thing, just take it. Just take it, you know? And well, so Well, should we pivot to or do you want do you want to do a little more? No, well, I just want to say actually no. Actually no. I I I don't really want to say anything else except you know, this is going to have major repercussions. People are losing their houses, losing, moving out of Los Angeles, moving out of New York. Next year, let's say that uh, they, they strike a deal tomorrow, September 20th. Production's not picking up again until January. I mean, you know, this is, no, this exactly. is, this is delaying. This is, so there's going to be, next year is going to be bad too. Next year's going to be hard too. I mean, think about what this is going to do for, you know, even as who cares who watches these days, but, you know, the Oscars, award season, you know, it's going to be, a, next year is going to be an interesting year. Let me just say that in terms of what's happening. And I hope that this is resolved soon, and I hope that these people can start to, both sides can engage in good faith and try to make this business work together. And look, that's their job. The reason why I could say it's on both of them is because that's their fucking jobs. That's what they're getting paid for. They're negotiating committees. Figure it the fuck out. Figure it the fuck out. Period. Point Period. Blank. Point blank. The end. Right. Figure it out. That's your job. Well, to your point about the you know bad business, good business. Um, you know, the, so the second half of what we want to talk about are the things that you can do during this moment. And I just want to say, you know, I, I, you know, I called the Brian Lair show the last week and I did because the prompt was what he was saying was, you know, we want to hear from writers and actors that are striking, you know, did you have to pick up any, you know, gig work in order to survive? And my comment, I called in, I said, you know, what's ironic about the question and it's a, it's a pivot to where we're headed now is that, you know, This moment, this strike is underlining so much of what we talk about. When Fran Drescher said, 
only 14%, I always keep quoting this, I quoted this last time too, but only 14% of SAG members qualify with earning enough money to qualify for insurance, which is $26,000 or something like that. Only 14%. This underlines exactly the problem that we have been facing for a very, very long time. Before the strike. It is exactly. It is untenable, unsustainable. This is nothing new. It's not like we're like, oh my gosh, all of us. No. I just think the conversation is being pushed more to the to the front lines, which is what I was said on when I called in. I was like, look, you, what do you mean gig work? You, you know, we'll we'll talk about you know money another time or, or really secondary income and all that another time. But but the fact of the matter is is that you know we are in the business of losing our jobs, and and not only that, you know we hear actors all the time who say I just want to make a living from my art, and there are plenty of actors who do that, right? And I do consider myself one of them, but but not solely by my art. Obviously, that's it's near impossible in a lot of ways. Well, and yeah. that's a hard truth. And I think that what's what's also kind of ironic about the question, it's like, what are you even doing right now? You can't go to set, so what are you even? It's like, bitch, like it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like like that's yeah. all we do is like, oh, I wait around all day until <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, called yeah. to set, yeah, and yeah. if I don't get called to set or if I'm not auditioning, I have no, it's like, please, that's well, that's, well, that's 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 if we're lucky, you know. 15, 20% of the time, if that, of what, of what actually we're doing. So the implication, the, the implicit implication in what that question is, is what do you even do? What do you even do during the strike? It's like that there's nothing to do. It's like, that's, if only that was the job. If only the job was only to go to fucking, do my auditions, go to fucking set. You know, if only that was my job, that would be what? Wouldn't that be the dream? That's one percent of fucking people on the planet. That's well, their and, job. And, and, but to your point, you know what we are hearing lots of ca- lots of people say is like, use this time to brush up on your material, read a book, go to the park with a friend. A- a- as it's as the industry we know it's is crumbling, burning, crumbling, <laughs> it's crumbling to the ground. The acting class is really gonna solve the problem. Yeah, doing doing my all my doing doing my scene from Hurley Burley. You know, at Pearl Studios is really gonna help, as 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 literally the industry as we know it is crumbling to the fucking ground. I mean, it's it's this is what this is exact. This is how I got also I got dizzy again. What's going on, bitch? I pass out. (laughs) Yeah, you keep going. Anyway, so folks. Anyways, yeah, let's talk more about why I hate unions. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. We've got. We're going to talk about things you can do, and I we we can't even go through all this because I'm, I know because I don't just want to list out shit. We've got so much oh that God. you can be doing during this moment, so we're just going to talk top level. Okay, let's do it. So we we got this in front of us, and we're going to talk about some of this. Um, let's talk about forget clarifying goals. You can always clarify goals, but let's talk about casting cultivation because I actually yes. do, and I I did actually I won't say a name, but I did have a I want to talk about a counter to this thought. But here's the point. Casting cultivation, which we can get into more in a longer time. Let me just say this. They're out of work. They're not working. Well, remember, you showed me this. Some very prominent, I would say a very prominent casting person posted on their IG story. Oh, my God. That was that was bad. They, the they, they posted some like, hey, I'm, hey, friends, I'm desperate for work. I I'll mean, cast listen, anything. Well, I'll <laughs> cast anything. And listen, no, 
and as they as 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 it's many fine. people will virtue signal, it's like th- they are suffering too. This is their business yes, too. I'm not. I'm not I even just don't think them. You, I just don't think you should show weakness. No, <laughs> online. But come no, on, come no, on, Trumpy. No. <laughs> just never show weakness. No, no. I, I, it was a bizarre move. I, I, I'm not. I'm not really a fan. Of, I mean, that's like when actors are like, I just need a gig. Can someone cast me? Oh. Don't. That's not cute. Don't yeah, do if you do that, you're a loser. Lo- loser. loser, loser, he's a loser. Yeah, he's a loser. loser. <laughs> <laughs> we just like we slowly but surely we have like pictures of Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly, behind. all over the place. We can't even really joke. People are gonna think that we're like big Trumpers. Well, that they're fucking idiots. I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> they think okay, that but we're anyway, f- the, the 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 real point that you're making is like these people are out of work too. They're they they they're not casting anything. Why do we say this? Send an introduction email. Say say hello. Ask for a general. Not everyone might be doing generals, but you can use this time to to engage and say, "Hey, we've never had the opportunity to get to know one another." Can I take you out to lunch? Can I take you to see a show? You exactly. know, um, and I would argue, you know, I mean, hire some, put money in somebody's pocket. I mean, they're literally saying, I, I don't have work. Do a panel for your alma mater, for your fucking acting class. Bring somebody in for a hundred bucks. Have them lead a self tape workshop with you and six of your absolute friends. Absolutely, co- have them coach. Hey, I want to get, I want to brush up on my audition. Do you know how happy probably, exactly. especially associates and assistants would be if you reached out and you said, "Hey, can can I pay you a couple hundred bucks? We should, we coach some, we could coach some tapes just so I can like use this time to stay sharp." And how much you're endearing yourself to that person? I mean, you know that that would be a big, you know. So including general intros. Using this opportunity as people are sitting around, they don't have anything to do to introduce yourself. Of course, better if you can get somebody else to do a name drop, whatever. Get creative. Think about ways you can put money in people's pockets right now. You know, exactly. and yes, that's very hard. This is a hard business. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. I just want to say something about material. It's a little basic, but you know, how often or not do we hear people complain about their material? Oh, I need to get new this. I need my reel could be better. We just did a workshop last night with Lilac oh, Mandelovich on. Great maximizing your reels potential using self tapes, uh, which is, you know, the thing of this moment. So, so, you know, yes, knit the sweater a couple weeks from now. If you need to get your material together so you can hit the ground running as soon as this this strike is over, you know, use this time to do that. Go get that content together. Finally edit it. You want to get new pics? You want to update? Whatever the heck it is. You, you're, apparently we're sitting around just, you know, waiting for it to go back to set anyway. Might as well p- put some time into exactly. it. Exactly. And this next point I think is interesting, which is, you know, packaging and pitching. Mm. You know, Especially, I mean, theater act. I mean, theater actors. There's just no excuse, you know. Right. Of course. There's just no excuse, you know. Yeah. Just, just do keep doing it. Keep fucking going here. And just, but, but, but let's be clear on what this is. So, 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 just like any project, as as in one could imagine, you know, really doesn't matter uh, on any level ever. There is a consideration for who is going to do what, all the way down to high school. Oh, little Timmy's the big star. We're going to make Timmy Seymour in Little Shop because everyone loves little Timmy. It doesn't matter. That's just the way of the world. You know, you have a following that means something. So what Mike's talking about in terms of packaging and pitching is film, uh, a play, musical. Get behind a project yourself spearhead and specifically consider how you could package the project to then take to people, producers, an, a small theater company, a big theater company, you know, a director you're wanting to Or even with. your friends, if you know a couple of people who are doing very well, you know, if you have connections and everybody knows somebody in this business who's who has heat, 
collaborate with them. They're sitting around, say, hey, I'd love to exactly. develop a project with you. I'd love to develop a feature with you. Are you passionate about anything? Let me spearhead it. Let me give Let's, you an example. A writer in a writer's room that have a show you're looking to 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 work on. Absolutely. Well, they're not doing anything right now. Do you want to talk? talk? You're not going to go against the unions to talk about a project for the future. Well, you're not a P, you're not a what you call an AMPTP member, or, you know. So you can absolutely approach a writer and say like, "Well, hey, what I'm saying is, people who are worried about self-producing in this moment, I'm like, you can have conversations. Oh no, about the we're, we're not necessarily producing anything. We're yeah. just having conversations. Exactly. Hey, I want to develop, get people emotionally invested in your projects. Now, you know, go to if you went to any sort of, you know, school where there's maybe you have a couple classmates who did really well. Say, hey, I'd love to do this play off Broadway. You know, if you're in New York, like, let's rehearse it. Let's begin to workshop it. Like, go to those people now. They're not doing anything. Exactly. They're not doing anything. Go go and approach them and package pitch those. Start thinking about what projects you can you can start to attach bigger people to and how you can get to them, basically. You know, part of what you're talking about, which sort of takes us into the whole other area, is just relationship building in general. You know, this is a relationship business. I'm sure that we will do an entire episode one day on just you know, relationship building because it really is, in many ways, the name of the game. I'm putting so much shit in my body during this. I ate a whole thing of sushi. And now, what is this? Red the Red Bull? The, what summer, is... the summer edition. Juneberry. Juneberry. Okay, well, this is better. Sometimes you drink something like liquid cum death or something like that. You're like, liquid cum death? <laughs> Which is coincidentally the name of my memoir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, but, but you really do, you drink like crazy shit. It's like nitro burn my kidney out. <laughs> <laughs> shit my prolapse anus shit bucket. <laughs> oh my god, I got dizzy again. That's bad. Maybe I had too much I coffee. It, yeah, I think you need to drink water or something. I got a, I've got my sugar. Well, yeah, you got yeah, rise, well, there you go. orange vitamin water. Rise, <laughs> rise orange. <laughs> Everybody that's rise. That's listen, a, is listen. that an LGBTQ thing or something? <laughs> <laughs> got behind me. I've got my original company. There you go. That's, an, that's an LGBTQ and thing. And I've got, right okay, there. Mike, this, not to be tangential, but this is Coco starring yeah, Catherine Hepburn. Of course. Because she played Coco Chanel. Okay, but how do you know about that musical? I know my Broadway history, bitch. You don't know that musical. Bitch, I'm a show queen. And this, hey! was, my, this <laughs> was my first musical I ever saw on Broadway, 1998. Annie Get Your Gun is also Michael's. Musical that first thing, and you're saw. afraid people are going to think we're Trumpers. Is that that was your afraid of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how to get your gun <laughs> with my queen. We hate, we hate the unions. <laughs> <laughs> pro AMTP, pro AMPTP, pro AMPTP. Scripted by Rise. Oh, well, you can't get a man. <laughs> okay, so relationship building. So, so just to just to say something top level during this moment. <clears throat> You know, uh, we're, we believe in active cultivation, maintenance of your community as much as you possibly can. Now is the time to engage. Now is the time to expand, which is which is why it's a good dovetail off of what you're saying. You want to make new connections. You want to meet people. Reach out to them, especially in this moment. You know, we live in such a busy world. So, yeah, so expansion. And this could include all kinds of people, right? Writers, directors, producers, casting, other actors, filmmakers, you know, filmmakers. Is such a community-driven industry, more so in a lot of ways than we could argue. No, television nothing or- stopping you from continuing to cultivate people, check in on people. How are they doing? You know, add value, as we always say. You know, take people out to coffee, go see their show, watch their short, watch the movie. Ooh, I, they I like were. this one, Mike. Organize a strike working group. That was more specific for actors, but no, I like that. absolutely. 
you know. Well, here, well, I think we should read all of these ideas. You know, right. writers. Writers are out of work. How can you provide value? Do you commission someone to write something for you? You mentioned that a writer assistant, something like that. You know, you know, pay pay somebody two hundred. You know, listen, we're not we're not Bob Iger. You know, we don't have money, but do you offer something substantial for you? Do I pay somebody two fifty to write a short for me? Exactly. What a value add on a show that you want to be on. Do you see if you know any mutual connections who'd be willing to connect? You know, do your research. Who do you know who's in writers' rooms? Do you know anybody who knows anybody? Do your research. Do your reconnaissance. Um, do you create a panel? Do a blog series, IG live, talking to them. I mean, you know, one of the things that you know, you know, I thought would have been really smart during this time. It's like, yeah, I'm going to talk to a writer every week about what their time's like during the strike to, and, and make a blog, do something like that, or talk to them on your IG Live. I don't know. I, I know? also love this idea of all these uh, events, meaning in this moment when people are, are, are feeling so stuck, do, do you provide opportunities for events? Do you do screening events? In, you know, in your home, you get 10 people together and you project a movie on a wall once a week. Well, I like this idea. Do you hire someone to run a writing workshop? How many people want to write TV shows? Like, how many actors? You know, I have a pilot, blah, blah, blah. Chip in with a couple of people. Pay a writer, a young writer, to fucking host a workshop. How are you providing value? How are you providing value? You. Director's out of work, you know. Do you, hi do you hire somebody to run a scene study class? Or an on-camera class, a director who works a lot. Do you hire someone to direct a reading or hear a play out loud? Or, like, do a read? you know. How are you providing value? Producers, you know, pitch again, pitching is something you can still do during this time to producers. Um, you know, we're again, we're not multi-million dollar entities. We don't have to, you know, we're not causing problems by doing that. You know, filmmakers, exactly, the screening series, watching movies, watch shorts, watch shorts. Then just email people, I liked your movie. It is very simple. You, no one no headshot and resume attached. It, oh, God. No exactly. headshot resume attached, just... Start watching people's work and supporting it. Easy. And I want to say something about, about what you're just saying. It's important. This is a great example. Long term over short term. What do right. I mean by that? You know, a lot of these efforts might seemingly feel like they go into the abyss sometimes. And and you know what? Sometimes they might. But other times, people might just not respond. It doesn't mean that it won't add up to something in the future to reach out, introduce, and compliment. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff. I like, you know, uh, we t open mics, parties, barbecues, social events, cocktail party. I don't get create. You're a creative. Get creative. Period. There's a lot of stuff we can be doing right now. Financial management. Yeah. I mean, it's these kinds of moments. The pandemic did it, too, where what comes to light, what's really underlined is how unstable all of this is, because obviously, per your point about projects getting back into production even in the next year even if we were to come to a deal sooner rather than later all, the weeks needed to earn coverage for insurance um to to you know a lot of people aren't gonna be going back to work they're gonna be back out of work for a very long time or and dollar so, amount needed to be earned for sag or whatever it is right yeah, you need to work to get and, and so a macro question for all of us is what lessons are we taking away now what what do we need meaning do we need a stronger financial base as is? Um, um, does this underline the need for that secondary income stream that we've been knowing that we finally have to to get off the ground? Again? I would say getting into the habit too of you know getting your foundations in place, budgets, plan, 
you know, what's October's budget? De- De- November's budget, December's budget, starting to get in the habit of maybe building projected budgets, tracking your a- actuals every single week. I mean, you can get your financial house in order, right? Like, you e- know. E- exactly. No, no. I, I, I mean, I, I think when it comes to, you know, such a personal approach to what you can do in this moment based off of your circumstance, but most importantly, just don't bury your head in the sand with it. You know, what part of what we're trying to underline is that you actually have the time and the space, whether we wanted it to or not, to better prepare for the future. And I just want to say a lot of times, and this is why we're doing a whole episode on this, I think a lot of artists have a tendency to duck and cover and just sort of, you know, weather the storm and not necessarily use it as a way to step into the next iteration of what they they want their lives to be, if not quit, because they feel so disempowered Absolutely. and by the moment. Let's let's talk a little bit more about um, self-producing, though, in, in relation to this, because, um, you know, you're sort of talking about it in terms of, we've had people ask us, you know, should I produce? Number one, that's what the SAG waiver is for. I mean, there are hundreds of projects now. That. Yeah, and, and it, you might be. It might take a while to get an interim agreement. So exactly. you know, there's a backup. But but listen, start now. You know, I mean, just just you know, you can absolutely get get a project together and send that interim agreement if you're going to use SAG actors. If you're not using SAG actors for whatever reason, then you don't need a SAG waiver. And, and, and let me say something kind, kind of niche here, separate from even the idea of just self-producing work. You know, a big part of what we believe is that along with self-producing is that you're growing a circle of financial backers, you know, that you can go back to over and over again, again, like any business would, considering, you know, who are my investors and donors? Yeah. Ha- and so do you use this moment to target and cultivate for the projects to come in 2024. Your mom's your mom's dentist. Exactly. I mean exactly. literally. Yes, exactly. Or doing your research who's investing in projects similar to projects you have in mind. And I think what's interesting here is top level. This is another responsibility we have. When you are raising money, it is your job to paint a vision for your investors or donors, profit or nonprofit, doesn't matter. You need to paint a vision. So this is right now we're in a Turmoilic. <laughs> turmoilic. It's a turmoilic time. <laughs> turmoil time. Do you know what? There must be a, a ter- turmoil. I guess you would say like, I was going to say we voluptuous. In, we're in a moment. That's of, not the word. No, we're in a moment of turmoil. Moment of turmoil. What's that a word? Anyway, turmoil, whatever. I was going to say voluptuous. That's not the word. But there's, there's, we're in a very troubled moment. Yeah. And But listen, one thing I will say is that in moments like these, there's always opportunity. People have been saying that for thousands of years. In moments of the darkest moments, there's opportunities. In fact, there are more opportunities in the darkest moments. That's true. That's true. Let me tell you something. No, but so, you know, there there are opportunities right now, and it is on us as small business owners to take advantage advantage and to understand... Where this business is going and how are we getting ahead of it? You need to understand that, and that's essential. We can do that right now, right now. In terms of craft, you know, yes, I know everyone's like, take a class, take a class. But I want to offer something unique, a unique approach to idiots. You know, I work with a lot of people who, or even here, just a lot of people who say, I don't know what's going on. 
I get so close and I don't quite, you know, stick the landing. I can't quite book. I'm not quite getting called in enough. So from a, from a craft perspective, sure, you could go back to your favorite acting teacher's class and that can feel really good because you're being creative and you're doing the work. Or if you are one of those people who's confused as to what's happening, what if you used this time to solicit some feedback? Absolutely. Send a questionnaire to 15 people. Reach um, out to an office you get called in for a lot, but maybe you don't book. or Do maybe, an audit. Maybe do an audit. Do a little audit. Reach out to your agents. Right. What Previous are these... collaborators. What worked well? What, what could I do better in my tapes? What could I bring more to the table? Is there an element of my craft that I should be sharpening? How can you... Not again... Just, you know, go pop back into the same acting class you've taken for the past seven years in a row because it feels like you're moving the needle. Maybe it's actually time you do something else entirely new to really sharpen Period. your tools. Period. I won't even add to that. <clears throat> yeah. Marketing. 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 Listen, Marketing. I, I, our, our core beliefs... Listen, I, little I, sluts. I, I, well, here, here's, <laughs> where, here's where I think this is always relevant and it's certainly relevant now. <clears throat> our core beliefs when it comes to marketing... At the top, top level, breaking through the noise and staying relevant. And easier said than done. Easier listen, said listen, than done. Do as done. we say, not as we do. Let me tell you something. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's Nobody, very hard. Well, marketing is very hard, but, but I'll tell you what is interesting right now. Getting clear about brand. Mm-hmm. This is a hiatus. Hiatus, girl. <laughs> you know, this is, this is a time where you can potentially get sharpen elements of your public persona, right? Transform yourself. Understand what your unique values are and what you are bringing to the table that is unique. And a lot of times when we hear people who finally understand, when we work with people who are doing brand building, they're like, oh shit, I need to lead with these elements more of myself. I need to put this out there more. It can often feel like very scary because it's a harsh makeover. Right. All of a sudden, it's kind of, oh, this is the kind of content I'm putting out or this is the kind of look I'm going after. This is this is the time. Right. This is the time to transform yourself. This is the time to get very clear and specific about your brand and then to understand how that translates into your public-facing persona. Based off of who it's for. This is the next thing I would say. You can use this time. Who is my work for? Who who You know, this is work that we get into in a much deeper sense and, and we're going to do an episode on... Um, um, a marketing episode soon, but but who is your work for? Who is your owned audience? That is the power of what it means to be an artist in 2023 is developing an owned audience. And again, this is the time. Listen, as we are finding out, Hollywood is untenable. Yep. So grow your own thing. Now is the time to continue to think about it. Oh, well, that's not my job. I just, okay, then die. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Then die. Then starve to death. Just like they want you to do. <laughs> Don't you, No, show them, do them wrong. Thrive. And and finally, I mean, there's a lot of details in all of what we're talking about, but the final one we talk about is just um, more to sort of like your day-to-day in this in this regard. You know, we, we really are all about systems, but it's because we do believe productivity is and how we manage our work and, and our workflow day to day is whether or not we'll be successful or not. Whether that's accountability, organization, just general workflow, time management, whatever it is. You know, what are those pieces for you? I always encourage you while I work with them, just stay curious. It's not that you have to have the answers tomorrow. It's about going, oh, it was helpful for me when I put things in my calendar, when I had an accountability partner. Use this time to assess. 
essentially build Get clear the about your work infrastructure yes. of your business. And probably going back to the first episode we did, it get the mind right. Right. You know, as you come out of this, how are you stepping out of the strike into a next iteration right. of your creative career where you feel empowered, emboldened, confident, ready to go? And if you can and if you can be proactive during these times when everybody's so rightfully so Again, not trying to sound insensitive about just speaking, you but know, die. if I'm allowed to talk. <laughs> can I speak? If not, die. Yeah, exactly. Get Die? No. But if you can be proactive during these times, when many people have no hope, when people are not seeing a viable way forward, if you can be one of the people who keeps going, is consistent, continues to own your side of the street as a, as a small business owner. You know, when businesses, it's funny, the pandemic, businesses go, businesses that survived went, yeah, this has ruined everything. How do we adapt and continue? Because that's what a business is supposed to do. Right. A business takes on radical ownership. has nothing to do with emotions, personality, or ego. A business needs to take... So if you can, during this time, when most people are, are are disheartened, hopeless, whatever, if you can be somebody who is hopeful, doing everything in your power to keep going, then imagine when times are good. Right, right. Well, and also just what you'll represent for others in this... In inspire this, people. In this moment, exactly. Just like we're doing. I, 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 I mean, I, I guess I hear... I know that we, we might take a seemingly insensitive... Some seemingly insensitive approach. I hope they can. Can they hear the? No, they won't. They won't hear you. No, they won't hear. No, but uh, but what I just want to say is that is that I'm a big believer in objectifying ourselves before the industry objectifies us. And what we're talking about here, when we're talking about AMPTP and what they're, let's put ourselves in their shoes and not to not to not to empathize and say yeah they're right, but to go okay well they don't give a shit about us so we've got to give a shit. We've got to give a shit exactly. And you know and. You know, I just want to say that it's, we're not, you know, you and I are both act, work-a-day actors. This is this applies to just as much to us as... People as, barely know who I am. No one knows who you are. <laughs> I mean, we're just... <laughs> I mean, we are both, we both are have work lined up for the rest of the year, but you know, it's... Uh, but you know, ha! No, die. But, <laughs> die, idiots. <laughs> no, but... I, I just don't know, like, I, I, you can't say anything. It's just like, look, the reason why we take this point of view is because it's for survival. But it's it's also, for survival. What is this point of view? The point of view, that the radical ownership point of view. The, the fact that we're small businesses and that no matter what's happening in the industry, it's on our shoulders. That is... Well, that's it, true, but but if someone has a problem with that and wants to be spoon-fed, you know, that... that you know, that to each their own. We're, listen, our work, our approach is not for everybody. It's not this for is what helps us survive and pay our bills. Period. And, point and blank. Point blank. End of story. The end. And that's what. That's all I give a fuck about, dummy. <laughs> okay, right, you guys. This is this has been a nine-hour episode. Sign up for of a free consultation. Exa- <laughs> <laughs> this has been so a nine-hour episode. So we can tell you what an idiot you are. No, that's not true. Of they're of, very helpful. Our clients love us. Of creative risk, where we talk about 
art, art entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, and everything, everything in between. between. Bob, I'll talk um, to you later. Okay? Uh, see you later, Zazzle. <laughs> <laughs> Finally pass out. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share, of course, and subscribe. Rate, leave a review. Unless it's bad, then yeah, don't leave anything, like, but still like send it along. Scabs, you know, don't Yikes. leave that Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and, of course, follow us on socials at artists.strategy. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks, David.